0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And for those that have been longtime listeners of the show, uh, you will definitely recognize today's guest. Uh, don't think a a week goes by where someone doesn't complain to me about, uh, you know, when's Clay going to be back on the show? You know, why is Farm Fridays no longer on XM? Uh, But with the Reds being one of the big uh sellers of the trade deadline, I it was pretty clear to me who I had to have back on the pod this week. And Clay was kind enough to take some time. Uh, Clay, how you doing? I really appreciate you you
2: hopping on. Oh, thanks man i appreciate you having me it's great to be reunited with you on the show and you know all these years we've been doing this pod and the xm show i've always been on the the other side of this it's kind of weird but uh <laughs> i'm just here to to listen to your takes man. i just want to know what you think but i'm a, i'm pumped to be along for the ride
1: well yeah this will be yeah this will be a little bit of, a little bit different from uh you know the shows we used to do but um you know, I I've already had multiple people ask me like, "What does Clay think of the the trades uh, for the Reds?" So uh, those sky people high, I don't know. those people will will get the answer to to that question. Um, so I don't know, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Let's
1: let's keep them waiting a bit on the Reds. Uh, we'll we'll get there in in a second, but uh, got to start with the Juan Soto trade. Um, how about you just kind of give me sort of what your general take was on washington deciding to trade juan soto just in general
2: well it's kind of funny i don't know if you remember i think we were still doing the show together regularly on wednesdays but i think you even suggested back in like april that i think at the time you said you didn't think they would actually trade soto but you said maybe they should and the way the season progressed that him turning down that extension 400 plus million, it just seemed like this was uh it was trending in this direction. So if you told me this three months ago, I'd have been shocked, but it just seemed like it was kind of kind of reached ahead. I do think that offer that backloaded, you know, a low AAV was kind of a slap in the face to Soto. Like, it was just kind of a way for them to, expedite his uh expedited trade essentially as well we tried but it wasn't really in the open market a competitive offer for Soto's services so it just seems like and I think you mentioned too the uh the making him book commercial to go to the all-star game it just <laughs> seemed like these two sides had soured and we were headed for this split and the the hall I don't really remember seeing a hall like this I mean what's what's comparable over like historically over the last 10 15 years for a haul like this is there anything um
1: yeah no i mean i i definitely think it's I, i've seen multiple people that have been around the game longer than i have say that this is the biggest trade they've ever seen i think jerry depoto said it was the biggest trade he's ever seen which means a lot coming from him um yeah it's it's pretty much an unprecedented haul of high-end young players. And we'll we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, any most big league teams are going to try to lowball a guy like that. So I don't want to mm-hmm. just say, like, the Nationals are just this, this evil front office that was trying to do that. I think most teams would have done the same. Uh, but I do got to applaud them for sort of being – realistic and you know the reason why i was suggesting that they should trade soto obviously has nothing to do with juan soto but it's just in in the game of baseball like do you want to be national league angels without shohei otani because that's basically Mm -hmm. what they were going to be if they didn't do something like this because their farm system was terrible the big league roster had very few building blocks on it so there was just you know in in baseball you need you need depth you need uh, talent uh, at at all all over the diamond you need a, d- a deep pitching staff they didn't have any of that so um, maybe they could have gone out and just spent a ton of money in free agency and tried to be Angels East but I applaud the front office for just being realistic and saying. This is really our only way out. And uh, I, I know there are Nationals fans who are really saddened by this and are upset that the team did this. And I think, you know, there are different ways to be a fan of, of a pro sports team. If, if just getting to go to the ballpark and watch a player like Juan Soto play on a bad team is more valuable to you than trying to you know, restock and go for another World Series, that's fine. I I mean, I think watching Juan Soto play in person or on TV every day would be would be fun. Uh, but I, I don't think the, you know, any front office is in the business of just being a mediocre team with one really good player. Like any, any front office is going to try to get back to the mountaintop.
2: Yeah, they took a hard look at the Angels and said, we do not want to be the Angels East, and I respect that. I mean, that's – it's hard to do to lose to that extent, be as bad as they've been with those two great players. And it just goes to show that one guy as great as Soto is, yeah, it's really about one through 26 and one through 40. And yeah, I, th- I think they probably, it's a tough call, but I think it was probably the right call. And I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, say the nationals are some terrible org for, you know, they offered, they, they gave Soto, they gave him what 400 or offered him 450 million. I mean, that's a lot of money but AAV was kind of you know low-ish so uh, you know didn't fit either side and they, they had to part ways so I I'm excited to see kind of both sides of this journey how the young players acquired by the nationals pan out and how this new uh, three-headed monster in San Diego fares out west
1: yeah dude uh, so let's get into the the players they got back um, <clears throat> you know, Robert Hassel, I think everyone sort of acknowledged that he was a top 10 uh, prospect. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, you're you're obviously going to have a bunch of people who don't follow prospects very closely at all. They see a trade like this. They recognize maybe two of the names. You know, maybe they recognize Abrams and Gore. And maybe they know who Robert Hassel is. But, you know, most people that were uh, not fans of the Hall probably didn't even know who James Wood was before this trade and certainly didn't know who Jarlene Susana was before this trade. But, and and I think a lot of people will rely on, you know, like Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. I think they do awesome work, but their prospect rankings aren't updated as frequently as mine are, as baseball America's are, as uh, Chris Welsh's are, um, as, you know, Prospects live, Eric Cross. Like there's tons of people that are updating prospect rankings, you know, fairly frequently in season. And if you got to look at any of those uh, that have been released recently, uh, James Wood is a premium prospect. Uh, someone that I ranked eleventh on the update from a week ago. And so, you know, CJ Abrams no longer prospect eligible, but the Hassel Abrams Wood trio. I think you can kind of think of it as three top 12 prospects because if Abrams was still eligible I would have him right next to Anthony Volpe either at 9 or 10. And so just to get three hitting prospects who are top 12 prospects or even if you don't buy where I've got James Wood, you know, you could say two top 12 prospects and hassle and Abrams and a top 25 prospect in Wood.
2: Like that's just a crazy crazy haul by itself. Yeah, man, three of those impact types, and Mackenzie Gore, too. I mean, he's kind of long since, uh, you know, graduated, right? But uh, he's shown a lot of flashes at the big league level, too. He's turned things around, and so, yeah, this is uh, pretty impressive. It may be a while because, you know, the Braves are insane, and the Mets are – Mets are taken off too, and they have a lot of money to spend. But I think this is a nice foundation on which to build. And it did seem like after, well, Harper left, and then the the injuries to Strasburg and Corbin's contract, was a disaster. This was really the uh, the only way to go to about to go about building a team that could actually be competitive again in like you know four or five years. Yeah, and
1: they like they just drafted Elijah Green um Jalen Susana like to me like Susana and Anthony Solometto of the Pirates are probably the two complex level arms I'm most excited in but Susana just has this like he um you know almost looks like kind of a young Michael Pineda he's just massive he's 6-7 he's just got crazy stuff uh super 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 risky but just getting a guy like that uh on the back end of that deal to give you this lottery ticket that, you know, say something goes wrong with one of the other guys, maybe the Susana lottery ticket hits and you're just uh, ecstatic then. Uh, And you're going to finish with another bottom five record. You're going to get another awesome player uh, following the, the Elijah green selection. I mean, it's, we're probably 12 months away really from this team having, you know, top five, top 10 system in baseball and, I mean, maybe you could even argue they're already
2: there, uh, in terms of the top end talent. Um, but. Would, would you, sorry to interrupt you, but would you kind of tell me why James Wood is, you're so confident in, uh, in Wood? Sure. Uh,
1: co- you know, confident is, uh, I'm Wrong pretty word. like, like there's nothing, he hasn't shown anything to give me any pause at all. Uh, he's a ways away from the majors, um but he has superstar upside. Uh, you know, a lot of people make kind of a lazy Aaron judge comparison. Cause he's six, seven. Um, and he does have that type of power upside. Um, he's almost, he's kind of a more, it's almost like he's a more refined O'Neill cruise, um, where it's just all the tools you could ever want. he's, uh, walking a ton, uh, not striking out very much in full season ball, and you could have easily seen a guy like that who's that tall, you know, take some lumps early on against full season pitching and kind of round into form. But he's just been uh, too good for that level almost since that season started, and so it's it's not that I'm extremely confident he's going to be. Um, or I'm not extremely confident he's going to reach his ceiling, but I'm about as confident as you could be in a guy, his age at his level that he's going to develop into a a pretty special player down the road. And if he does hit his ceiling, he's,
2: you know, one of the best players in the game. So, um, uh,
1: thanks
2: for explaining that. It's not really the the confidence that's, you know, pushing that rank, but just the tools for days and. Right. I'm like sure. he, in, in Dynasty, if you're
1: if you're rebuilding or something, James Wood is the is the type of guy you want in a trade. Like that's that's the type of guy that could be the best player on your team uh six years from now. That that type of thing. So uh they got they got a little bit of everything in the deal, right? Like you get like Hassel is about as safe as it gets for a high A hitting prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh Abrams is big league ready, Gore showed that he's you know, a, a nice rotation piece once he's healthy and they got the, the lottery ticket arm, the, the lottery ticket hitter uh, really just a, a nice piece of business I thought. And, and I said this, I went on the, the XM show today and like it, it did start to seem, especially after the Josh Hader trade that the Padres were the heavy favorites in the Juan Soto hunt. And I'd kind of decided sort of earlier in that day, That like, you know, Hassel's in the deal. Abrams is in the deal, obviously. But like whether or not I like it is going to hinge on whether wood is in the deal. Because and then like the reporting came out afterwards that that was kind of the sticking point. Um, The Nationals were holding firm. We need wood in the deal. The Padres didn't want to put wood in the deal. And if they had if the Nationals had kind of caved and said, okay, we'll just take Hassel, Abrams, you know, throw us you know, who whoever else to, to be the fifth piece. Um, but you can hold on to Wood. That that was kind of the swing piece to me. Like I they had to get all three of Hassel, Abrams, and Wood, I think. Uh and they did. So so I, I think it's a it's a good trade for the Nationals. Um we can we can talk about the the Padres though. I mean they got Josh Hader and then they get Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Like how good do you think this team is gonna be the rest of the way?
2: Yeah, I called it a three-headed monster, but Josh Bell's right there too, and I guess it'll be three, and then when Tatis back, it'll be a four-headed monster. But I—I I mean, it's tough because again, it's such a game of depth, and I still think they lag the Dodgers, lag behind the Dodgers in that regard. Um, Dodgers have, you know, had some issues, some injury issues, but they brought up Miguel Vargas, so I'm pretty excited about. And I still think this is the team to uh, to beat here in that division. Would you agree with me on that? Or do you think, I don't know, I, I feel like the, the Padres closed the gap. But I still think there is a gap there. And I certainly don't think it's going to be enough to win the division at this point. But, you know, postseason series, it'd still give the edge to uh, the Dodgers. I think.
1: Yeah, I think I, I'd probably give them the slight edge. If, if you told me that, you had fully healthy Fernando Tatis, uh I think it would be a, a pretty fair fight. And um you know what I what I love about it is and this is this is part of why I'm just so low on the Brewers chances to, to really break through and win a World Series as presently constructed, is you need at least a few guys in the lineup who are just monster. Really, really tough outs. Just yeah. guys that strike fear in the the opposing pitcher, and like the Dodgers have that in in Freeman and Betts and Turner, and I think the Padres, you know, with with Soto, Tatis, and Machado, you know, those are those are three guys you go to battle with, mm-hmm. and and like you know, no team wants to have to get out th- those three guys in a row, right? And like that's what that's what wins in the playoffs. Like you need that. Um, just kind of a run of hitters in the middle of the lineup where it's just you can't navigate it unless you're just really on top of your stuff. And yeah, that's
2: that's like a buzzsaw, man. That top four when they get a uh, Tatis back, it's going to be insane. But I, 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 you know, the Dodgers, I mentioned, you know, they've had some injuries, but yeah, behind Freeman and Betts and Turner. I mean, Will Smith's had a good year, but maybe the back half of that order does kind of leave him, leave him susceptible. But I just, uh, I'm in one first come first serve league and I got Miguel Vargas there and I really needed a third baseman. So I was really amped. Nice. What are your thoughts? Uh, is he going to play Miguel Vargas?
1: So my take on Vargas is that he, like the the Dodgers would love nothing more. I think. Than for Miguel Vargas to just take that job and run with it and uh, kind of oh, reminiscent, kind of reminiscent to like uh, when Gavin Lux, I think they called up Lux roughly the same time in the calendar uh, a few years ago. And I think they kind of gave him the runway to establish himself as a, a key piece of the lineup. And he didn't really do that. Uh, I think they're going to do the same with Vargas. Like they don't, you know, if they give him a few weeks and it costs him a game or two, that's not the end of the world. But I do think they want to sort of see, because like you said, the depth of that lineup in terms of guys that really kind of scare you, it's not quite there because you got the this down year, basically a lost year, it seems, for Max Muncie because I just don't think he was ever right physically, and then, uh, You know, old man times coming for, for Justin Turner and yeah. uh Cody Bellinger, just not a guy that's scaring anyone in the playoffs. So for them to basically turn Miguel Vargas into sort of a trade deadline acquisition and, you know, a guy that they could rely on as like the number six hitter or something going into the postseason, I think that and that's he, in. He
2: wasn't on the 40-man, was he? Sorry to jump in. Uh,
1: I think no, I don't, added nope him to the 40 I don't think man. so. Nope. Yeah. And... <laughs> And this, they kind of set him up for this, uh, you know, go back to start of the season. They assigned Vargas to AAA. They assigned Michael Bush to A. even though Bush is a couple years older and uh, believe had more upper level experience than Vargas. Uh, might be wrong about that. But I, that, that stood out to me at the time that they were just like, Vargas, you're going to AAA, Bush, you're back at A. They were definitely sort of setting the runway for Vargas to be a part of this year's team. And so I just I don't know if he's gonna hit enough in his first six weeks, four weeks, five weeks as is kind of a near everyday player. But he's so talented uh, with the bat. He's he's kind of hit over power, but he's got plenty of power. And uh, I'm excited. He wasn't available in any of my first come first uh, serve leagues, but uh, definitely a top ten prospect uh, for for dynasty. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty easy.
2: That's awesome, man. Yeah. I am only in one and it's actually an NL only where I needed a third baseman. Chris Bryant has been the bane of my existence in that league. Uh, (laughs) I I try to say never again, but never again on Chris Bryant. I just can't do it. But so I need a third baseman. So I got Vargas. I'm hoping he gets a nice little runway to show what he can do. And yeah, I think it's, it behooves the Dodgers to do that. Cause yeah, if, if he, If he's not overmatched, that does lengthen that lineup. And uh, yeah, I mean, Muncie, you get DH Turner when he comes back. Muncie, uh, I finally, I've been a Muncie apologist, but I finally cut bait the last of my Muncie shares this year.
1: You know, I added him. um, Man, was it? It had to have been one of the OCs I was in. I added him in some NFBC league. Like I had just, I thought I threw out like a $10 bid. Uh, and ended up winning him, and he has He's not. Homered, done.
2: Didn't he? Right, I thought he homered recently, but
1: he did. I can't say if that. I'm not sure if that was in my lineup or not. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably gonna get back in on Muncie next year because I do think it's kind of a lost year for him physically. But uh, I'm I'm with you there on on Chris Bryant. Like I, I also I, I try to um, sort of keep my well, I wouldn't even say I'm emotionally invested in Chris Bryant. I just think he's a huge baby and like he just always misses tons of time and doesn't play through anything and uh now that he's got that contract, I'm just very hands off there.
2: Um yeah, what's I mean, that team's a mess. What's his incentive to like rush back, you know? He no. doesn't have any.
1: Um okay, now the main event. Uh let's talk about the the Reds. Uh the All-Caps Reds. Um, let's start <laughs> with new the day. <laughs>
2: new day. Jane. Let's start stone.
1: with the Luis Castillo trade. Uh, you know, props to the Mariners, um, for really just putting it on the table and ending the negotiation essentially. I think once they were willing to include uh Arroyo with Marte or Marte with Arroyo, whoever you prefer, those two. I think that that was just kind of a just give them to us like no one's beating this offer. That ended up being exactly what the Reds did. And I think to me Castillo like in Dynasty I've been saying for like over a year in Dynasty if he could just get to a, a uh, you know another team with a neutral park with uh you know middle or like uh, middle of the league defense he could just be an absolute ace. And I think he was kind of an ace already before this trade over the past couple months. So a uh, great move by Seattle to, to actually bring in a real ace ahead of uh, Robbie Ray and, and Logan Gilbert. But have you, have you been like watching video on Marte or Royo? I mean, is this uh have you been sort of digging in on these guys at all?
2: Well, let me, let me grab something here. This is what the Reds decided something clicked and they, they said <laughs> no more bullshit. <laughs> when I say no more, you say bullshit. But no, I <laughs> I'm kidding because you're right that they were just kind of this offer fell in their lap and they didn't have a choice. Like it was, what's that? Who is it? It says on Twitter, like if you expect to get like uh, expect the, the return to be reasonable for a guy like this, you'll never get him. So like, it was just a, a blow away offer and the the Mariners had to make that kind of blow away offer to get them. A ton of teams interested in Castillo. And uh, so, yeah, the Reds were like, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for them, but I like what they've done to, you know, they, they went on and then subsequently trade Malley got a decent return for, for Drury too. So it does seem like while the, the Castellini curse it doomed the Red season. It's almost like the fact that they were kind of forced into selling, you know, may have actually been the best thing for this organization long term. Yeah,
1: i I think they had to, uh, and i I think they did the right thing. In you can kind of see what teams are sort of looking for by what type of return they get in these trades. And it's very, very clear the Reds wanted position players and they wanted some upside. They wanted some guys that had a chance to stick up the middle. And, you know, Arroyo and Marte, they're far enough away that they were expendable for the Mariners. The Mariners still have a ton of talent on the way, especially internationally. They've just always got a pipeline of impressive guys coming in. And then uh, on the twins side for the, the return for Malley uh, I think they just, that was a perfect trade partner for them because in Christian and Carnacion on strand, who really can't wait to see how his power plays in great America. And then uh, Spencer steer, you had two guys where they were basically just completely blocked in Minnesota and, Spare pieces. So I think that they were very true to kind of go after a deal with Minnesota, especially if they were going after position players. Do you, do you like that strategy of, of it seemed like really kind of prioritizing position players over pitchers in these returns?
2: Hell yeah, man. I was so pumped. It seemed like they got what, like five (laughs) shortstops in these moves. And that's been a one big thing you've railed on them for the (laughs) year. They just haven't had a real shortstop in, how long?
1: They punted I mean, shortstop for almost a decade.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's. I guess Kyle Farmer has been okay, but I mean, come on, that's not a real, uh, you know, first division shortstop. So yeah, I'm pumped. Obviously, those guys typically can move around to other positions as needed, and sure, you know, poor performance. Some guys will bust. Some guys will need to move off short, but uh, the fact that they got some guys who are capable of holding. You're playing up the middle and playing well up the middle is as exciting as a Reds fan because we haven't had it. Uh, Brandon Phillips was the, probably the best defensive second baseman I've ever seen, but a good quality shortstop. I mean, it's been a long time. Barry Larkin and uh, Pokey Reese was a second baseman, wasn't he? Wow, really? all
1: the way back to Pokey Reese. I love Pokey um, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I had someone ask me sort of, uh, you know, where are all these, you mentioned all the shortstops, like where are they all going to end up? Uh, to me, you know, you have, so you have Jose Barrero, who I think just got the call today. And then you have Spencer Steer. Those two guys are are ahead of everyone else in terms of proximity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steer is pretty close to big league ready and he can play second base or third base. So I think Barrero and Steer kind of get the first crack at Sort of showing what they have. I've uh, never been that high on Barrero, but uh, you know it'd be nice to at least see him get a get a look. But I think long term, Noel V. Marte fits perfectly at third base to me. Uh, you have to hope that Ellie de la Cruz works out, and if he does, I think short he displaces Barrero at shortstop. And then I think Edwin Arroyo is such a fun athlete. Uh, I think he could really go get it in center field. Like that might be a nice spot for him, and then uh, Matt McClain, I think, is kind of a, a classic second baseman to me. So um, that's sort of my take as to where those guys might end up. Uh, Christian and Carnacion Strand—it's—it's it's all about the bat. I mean, he could be a left fielder, a DH, first base, something like that. You just—if the bat plays, it's going to play uh, wherever. So that's kind of my read on how things might mm-hmm. shake out. You—you you definitely got to assume. You know, probably listed, what, six guys there. I would guess that half of them just don't kind of meet expectations. Yeah. Uh, maybe one of them just blows past expectations and two of them meet expectations, and you've at least got a, a starting infield in that scenario.
2: Yeah, you have to expect at least a half of them at least to bust, but now they have so many, like, chips in, on the table. and Right. Uh, I'm pretty pumped, yeah, man. And you asked if I'd been watching clips of like Marte, and I already pretty knew, pretty much knew what the Reds were getting in Marte. But Edwin Arroyo is the guy who I didn't really wasn't as familiar with, but I'm pretty uh, smitten with. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, and Encarnacion uh, Strand too. I didn't I didn't really know much about him, but lots to dream on there too.
1: Yeah, I mean Encarnacion Strand. Uh, we'll see.
2: You know, he's, he's
1: a bigger guy. We'll see how the hit tool develops as he faces better and better pitching. But so far, this guy has not been at us at a level where he has not been able to dominate with the bat. So uh, just really, it's great. If you have Ankenashi on strand or you have steer in dynasty, I think you gotta be happy because there was not really a clear way for those guys to break through with Minnesota. Now you sort of have a, a clearer path for both of them, and you got, you know, the, the ballpark upgrade there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just really, really fun stuff.
2: Um, I wanted to check in on how uh, Castillo was doing at Yankee Stadium today. By the way, well, he's, he's about to uh, he's, get the he's, win.
1: he's definitely outpitched Garrett Cole.
2: Cole uh, <laughs> <laughs> gave up like what four home, or he gave up a four spot in the, a six spot in the first. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, uh, Castillo I, showed
2: he can handle himself at Yankee Stadium.
1: I don't expect uh, to see Toby's uh, "Does Garrett Cole still suck?" meme <laughs> tweeted out today.
2: Um, he should get a disaster <laughs> outing tweet from uh, Maddie. Would
1: we need Maddie? I feel like Maddie might be slacking on those. Uh, those are that's one of my favorite Twitter gimmicks. Going, uh, yeah. He need we need to except when you're on the the receiving end.
2: <laughs> you're on the wrong man. Ooh, hurts.
1: I almost like I, I almost don't mind it cuz it's just kind of like yeah yeah screw him like <laughs> um, Shout, call him out we need yeah someone at FTN needs to develop like a, a bot that can do those uh, tweets for him
2: yeah, save um, him but we, we need need All
1: right let's uh head to a quick break and then uh, we will weigh in on what the Brewers got back for Josh Hader
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: All right, we are back and you know, this, this hater trade to the Padres It's just there's a lot of different layers to it. Uh, You know, on the one hand, you can just kind of analyze the return. Was the return fair? Uh, I think short answer to me is the return was fair. I I like the you know the different outs they have in that trade with four players, uh, all of whom could could help them in in different ways. Uh, But just kind of from a, a macro view. I'm just so sick of Mark Adanasio pretending like he's some small market owner who just can't run like a, a real payroll. And uh like the Padres, like 10 years ago, was anyone talking about San Diego as this massive market compared to Milwaukee? You know, of course not. I think it's uh, a
2: smaller, is it a smaller market? it might be, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, you should consider those two very similar markets,
2: yeah, I think. totally.
1: Uh, so for them to just be willing to go make all these just power moves while you're basically asking David Stearns to just keep, you know, pulling rabbits out of the hat on a tiny payroll. And, you know, Stearns is really good at that. Stearns would be even better if he could just sort of operate the way that Andrew Friedman operates where he gets to evaluate talent, but also have kind of unlimited resources. The Brewers pack Miller park every single summer. They sell a ton of beer at the park. <laughs> um, they, they print money basically every summer and they just pretend to be this small market team. I'm not even saying the, the hater trade is necessarily a bad idea but to me if like if you're willing to trade hater in season go spend 20 million, 30 million, 40 million in the off season on reinforcements for that upcoming trade and it's just i'm i'm so sick of the like oh we're we're a small market, you know, we can't afford to give hater, we can't afford to pay hater next year in arbitration, we can't afford to give hater a, a market extension. Uh, you know, there's Pros and cons to giving a guy like that a reliever with that many miles, you know, the, the four year, five year bag, whatever he's going to get. But just it's it's not that they can't afford it. And mm-hmm. I'm just I'm sort of sick of that aspect of things. But evaluating the trade just in terms of, you know, was it fair? Uh I went out and grabbed Robert Gasser in a deeper dynasty league. As soon as this trade happened, because I think the brew I, I was high on him already, but uh, I think the brewers have a chance to really turn him into something. Um, he was, he's kind of a brewer's type of guy. Like he's someone I would have thought they would have probably been on in the draft as well. And then, you know, Mr. Ruiz, such a wild card, man. I, I have no idea whether he's going to actually be an
2: everyday player or not. Um, But
1: what was what was your thought on that that return uh, for
2: Hader? I think that's interesting that you say that about you know just getting sick of that approach by Brewers ownership, and I am wondering if that costs them Stearns at some point. Like I know the Mets want him, and wouldn't I mean I just that would be he's clearly very good at his job, but to be handcuffed like that and be limited to your compared to your peers, I don't know. I think that yeah. That kind of penny pitching could cost them uh, Stearns.
1: Well, I think they would they would deserve it if it did, but I I also think it's there's sort of this uh, especially among these kind of like Ivy League guys, they almost kind of like this this challenge of yeah, it's like a game. Yeah. Well, it is um, a game, <laughs> right? I mean, like a
2: high stakes game.
1: It's like, I've only got this much to work with. Like, how am I going to maximize it? Like, yeah. it's all they almost get more pride out of efficiency. Like, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, it's not like he's not taken care of handsomely.
2: Like, they've got plenty of so money to, to give him uh, a nice big salary. Um, I like the guys out in LA and, and like Cashman, like, yeah, you can be good. But then when you have actual money to play with, you could just be, you could build a crazy juggernaut team. But I didn't answer your question originally. I think it's a pretty nice return. I mean, you get a guy who could help you, a couple guys who can help you now, and Taylor and Taylor Rogers and Lamette out of the bullpen. And, you know, they have Williams, but uh, I'm with you on on Ruiz, where I don't really know. It just seems so boomer bust. Like he could be like Jonathan VR and have a couple good years, or he, uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, He's got great physical tools, very speedy, obviously. Uh, I think he's going to be, because I, I certainly dropped him in a bunch of NFBC leagues. Um, well, not a bunch, but like I don't know. I had him in like two or three leagues mm-hmm. uh, and dropped him, I think, this yeah, past weekend. I could see him being a, a trendy pickup. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know for sure that Mr. Ruiz is a better hitter. Or even a better all-around player rest of the season than like Tyrone Taylor, mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of a muddy uh, situation. But I I definitely like buying low on Taylor Rogers the way they did because I mean you couldn't have bought really any lower on him. He had just lost the closer role, <laughs> uh, and so you know Devin Williams is kind of the obvious best reliever in the bullpen. But just having a, a lefty with experience getting high leverage outs to slot in and, and place a hater. Made some sense. I mean I've zero expectations for Dinelson Lamette to, to do anything, but that's a nice sort of uh, wild card
2: to have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of you know, it's it's not like they gave up a lot of like value this year because they got Rogers and Lamette to replace Hader. So you're kind of buying a couple prospects here and maybe giving up a little bit of short term value, but yeah, I just don't know I don't have any clue what these prospects they got really are.
1: Well, I know I, I know <coughs> um
2: Oh, David Nelson, the met designated for assignment by the way. Oh. <laughs> I'm just seeing that now, <laughs> Robert Murray.
1: Yeah, I'm not not surprised. I mean, he hadn't been pitching well. I again, had zero zero inclinations of him being a key part of that package, but um I know David Stern's went out of his way uh, maybe yesterday to say that Robert Gasser is quietly one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball. It's like, all right, well, yeah you know, <laughs> i I think he's I think he's underrated, but uh, he's not quite one of the best pitching <laughs> prospects in all baseball. Um, okay, let's 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 hit on uh, that A's trade. Um, man, I felt bad. Like Scott Gensted hits me up as soon as that trade goes down. He's just like, what? What do you got? Like, "Uh, well, did you
2: let him him down (laughs) easy?
1: The A's, like the A's, have the exact opposite approach to the Reds. And Melissa Lockard uh, tweeted basically as much uh, after that trade, where it's just kind of the A's are very confident in their ability to draft hitting and they like to trade for pitching once they've had time to evaluate it in a pro setting. But, you know, all the pitching they got this past off season, unless I'm forgetting someone, I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty much all lower in value. Now, uh, Gunnar Hogland's probably the one uh, where, you know, I would say he you know he's back to being healthy essentially, so his his values increase. But uh they didn't they haven't done great on the pitching they got this past off season. Um Waldechuk is is probably better than than any of those guys. I think he could be a mid rotation starter. Uh JP Sears is uh I, I've kind of got almost a Zach Davies like like good version of Zach Davies comp on JP Spears because the stuff is just not that good, but if he ends up having 60 command, maybe it, it can play. Um, and then Medina. Medina may be the closer of the future there, but he's got to improve his command to even be that.
2: You know, I had Sears on a couple teams earlier this year, and I got to get eyes on him because I knew you had a you know a decent rank for him. I was surprised. The, the, my very first thought, I think I told Jeff this on the radio, like it just struck me how short he is. He, uh, I think he's listed at like 5'11, which means he's probably like 5'9. <laughs> but I just worry about the durability with those types, you know. So, he's yeah, not seemed like a big guy. So, it just when I was watching him on TV, it just struck me how, you know, on the screen how short he looked. So, uh, but Waldichuk, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't seem like there's a lot of upside with these arms. Would you, would you disagree in that, that, case, that uh, statement? No,
1: no, I wouldn't, uh, you could just say, like Luis Medina's stuff is awesome, so there's upside there, but I just don't think he like he's been someone we've talked about for like five years of having awesome yeah. stuff and terrible command. so uh, at at a certain point, you just you have bad command, and I don't see any reason to think that he's uh, gonna improve that significantly.
2: Um, like montas seemed like re- you know maybe a st- step below Castillo, but. This return doesn't seem anywhere near as good as the the Reds' return. No, Castillo.
1: I don't think it should have been though.
2: Um, no, well Castillo has another year, right? Does uh, Montas too? Uh, forget. But um, yeah, it just seems like a pretty stark discrepancy in the, the returns there.
1: Well, you know, you have the the shoulder starts barking for Montas, um. True. Yeah, they're yeah, they they both have the same control. I, so I thought, um so you do have an extra year oh, with okay. Montes too.
2: You do have that year with Montes. Okay.
1: But right. but I just think Castillo I feel like people almost are sleeping on just how good he is. Whereas like Montes to me is kind of you know, maybe he's the 20th best starter or 16th best starter in baseball if he's fully healthy. Whereas I think Castillo could be like the fourth or fifth best starter. Mm-hmm. uh over the rest of that that time of team control so it yeah, i don't so think it, it should have been on par with that 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 reds return, but i just i it's kind of i don't i don't love the idea of just stockpiling all these sort of mediocre pitching prospects and and kind of hoping that you get three or four quality starters out of it like you you might you might end up with like three number four starters out of all these trades they've made and mm-hmm. I don't know. I would I would definitely prioritize the hitting when they're that far from being a competitive team, right? You can you add the pitching uh, when you're ready to add the pitching, but you have to have that base of of offensive talent, I think.
2: Yeah. And you're right. Like it's Montes well, is probably a couple notches below uh, Castillo. My brother was asking me, you know, he's kind of a more of a casual fan, like, would you consider Luis Castillo an ace? And I said yeah, now, but, you know, throughout his time at Cincinnati, he was always kind of like – was always a little borderline, but it seems like he kind of took that ace turn this year and the fastballs played up for him. I, I love to see him get get the fastball going because we know Castillo can pull the string on the chain. So, yeah, maybe now that he's out of Cincinnati, he will be, you know, a, a bona fide ace instead of just widely considered a, a front line type.
1: Yeah, I mean, they – Tried to have Eugenio Suarez be his shortstop one year. Like
2: <laughs> he, and he, Castillo or Suarez made an error like within five minutes of opening day start.
1: They really did very, very little to help Castillo succeed in terms of just mm-hmm. obviously there's nothing you can do about the park, but you know, the defense behind him was just a mess. Like you had Van Meter in left field and Suarez at shortstop and Yeah, it was just a complete shit show. Moose? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Suarez. Was there ever a Suarez-Moose double play tandem in effect for a game?
2: Probably Um, attempted a couple times and (laughs) threw it into center field. But uh, that's the thing. The Reds... It's good to see that they're like got this good foundation, but yeah, they need to put their guys in better positions to succeed moving forward.
1: Well it's it is encouraging, like you you alluded to this earlier. It's encouraging that uh this newish re- regime uh likes the idea of adding shortstops. Um, yeah. So that I feel like that's a it's a good first step to, to try to get a good shortstop. Um yes. So the Royals, like they, I just want a quick, a couple of quick hitters here, and then we'll get to some uh, guys that got promoted. Um, the Royals traded for basically four pitching prospects TJ Sickema, Chandler Champlain, Beck Way from the Yankees for, for Ben Intendi, and then Max Castillo uh, as the headliner for uh, Whit Merrifield from Toronto. Uh, I'm mostly interested in Sycamore and Castillo because uh, Castillo was a guy that I actually rostered earlier this season in the main event uh, when it seemed like he might get into that, that Blue Jays rotation. And he's got a really, really good changeup. Might not be a starter long term, but you know I definitely think the Royals give him every chance to start. And then Sycama just has this really uh, funky uh, delivery that has been given hitters fits for the uh, past you know six weeks or so, um, and so the Royals are just terrible at developing their own pitching. But you know, are you interested at all in a guy like Castillo? Maybe now that he's basically another team's done the developmental work for them, <laughs> and. There might be uh, some opportunities for him in in the short term.
2: Yeah, I was going to say no, but then you made a good point. Like maybe the fact that he's already had some tutelage under another, you know, coaching staff. Maybe it's not so bad. I just I don't know why the Royals lag so far behind with pitching development. It's it's amazing. I heard Eno Harris talking about that a little bit on on their uh, rates and barrels show too, and I just that's one of the teams that I just do not trust right now. I mean, these two guys, it just seems like a culture thing here. Like, yeah, I I, I don't know what it is.
1: I had that. I had a tweet about, I don't know, three weeks ago asking who was more poorly run out of, or who was, it wasn't more poorly run. I think the Rockies are more poorly run, but who's more comically run out of the Royals and the Rockies. And I had a lot of people just being like, Oh, Rockies, like not even close. Like, but I think the Royals are pretty funny. Like, they they have all these, um, you know, you, half the team was unvaccinated. They had that uh, anti-pornography seminar yeah. at spring training. Yeah, like,
2: watching adult films. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think like,
1: they're, they're, they're hilarious. Managing. Like, that's,
2: yeah, these are yeah. grown men, you're dealing
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really think it's a testament to Bobby Witt Jr. that he's uh become as good as he is uh mm-hmm. in in that environment and uh vaxxed or fake vaxxed or whatever it was. I mean, I love his drive to compete. And uh I re- really would love i really lo- I think I was actually texting with Eno about this as well. Like they gotta get Bobby Witt on a real team. Um but yeah, that's not gonna happen.
2: Well, I, you know, Vinny P's has kind of been a little disappointing so far, but I do think it's coming for Vinny P, and uh, he made the trip to Toronto too, so maybe the culture will turn around. One guy I did pick up on that pitching staff who's actually been pitching okay lately is Brady Singer. So, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of hope uh, with him. But yeah, until they show that they can develop some of these guys, like I'm not crossing them off my list when doing like dynasty drafts, but. Just want nothing to do with Royals pitchers. They're it's not quite Colorado pitchers, but uh, I think you kind of comping those two is dead on in more than one way. So I'm not, and I don't really want anything to do with any of these guys again.
1: The other thing that really makes it hard is uh, you have Sal Perez and MJ Melendez. I I want to say they're both near the very bottom in terms of pitch framers this year, and Melendez at least you know has time to improve that aspect of his game, but really doing these guys, no favors when you've got, a. I think, I think Sal Perez actually was the worst for him in baseball last year. Um, so it's just, you know, I think singer is very interesting. He, he had the back to back, uh, uh double digit strikeout games, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, he's been stellar lately. He's pitching right now. and Probably just cursed him. He yeah, he probably him. did. Definitely.
1: Uh, so a couple more quick hits here. Uh, <clears throat> Hayden Wesneski is a guy that I, I've liked for about a year now, uh, quite a bit. Uh, hasn't been just consistently lights out this year, but uh, I definitely think he's he's got a chance to be a mid-rotation starter, and the Cubs got him for Zach Efros, and of course the Yankees trading for a reliever like this, you have to assume that they're going to probably have him reach even an, another level of effectiveness out of their bullpen. But uh, I love the landing spot for Wes Neske. I mean, it's really just great for all these Yankees pitching prospects to get out of there because the Yankees have developed basically Luis Severino and Jordan Montgomery, and that's about it internally. And they, they don't seem to ever just kind of have these guys on, on the track into the big league rotation. And so it's good to free those guys up to go somewhere else and, uh I'm I'm kind of excited to see if we, we get Wesneski in the majors this year. Maybe it's uh you know Wes Nesky, Caleb Killian uh ne- next year is kind of their, their one-two. Um but I thought that was a, a good pickup and a nice boost for Wesneski's uh
2: dynasty value. Yeah, you love going to that division, although watch out for the Reds in a few years. No, wow. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I don't know. Seems like a pretty good prospect to give up for Scott Efross or whatever his name is. But um, I guess there might be something there. I think uh, Alex Chamberlain kind of liked Efross, So maybe he's better than I realized. But it seems like a pretty nice little prospect to give up for Efrost. But Yankees looking to, to win it all. So I, I kind of get it. Uh, Jordan Groshan's on the move again. It seems like his stock's really taking a tumble.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I dropped him way down uh, on my last uh, update because, like, when I did the when I did the one, it was probably like eight weeks ago at this point. The the prior update, he basically had the best batting average, best plate skills at AAA. It was a small sample. He He hadn't tapped into much power, but I was I was tempted to. He was still so young for that level. I was tempted to rank him even higher, but since then, basically in the past, you know, eight weeks or so, uh, everything's kind of trended a little bit in the wrong direction. Like he he was hitting way over three hundred. Now he's like hitting two sixty, and he's still got the one home run I think at AAA. So, you know, I can say all day long that I I know that Jordan Groshans has above average raw power in there somewhere. I've seen it. I've seen him just hit moonshots um, in the past, but uh, just hasn't shown it in games. So I actually kind of like the fact that he's at least getting a change of scenery. You know, obviously Miami is going to do what they can to try to unlock that power in games for him, but not not a trade where it's like, oh, his stock is back up but at least i feel like you know maybe they can coax it out of him uh when it obviously wasn't
2: working in toronto yeah man that's that's pretty amazing that the power just completely absent slugging 293 yeah he's at- he's got
1: a lower slug than a obp right now
2: yeah that's that's hard to do it's like a Couple years ago, version of Yandy Diaz with uh, <laughs> yeah. just zero pop, but I, I just still think the bats kind of uh, interestingly. He may be a guy that I just move on from in a in a dynasty league this uh, this year. But uh, it's you know, that happens, but it's uh, a little disappointing because I did have higher hopes for for Groshans.
1: It would have been nice if he'd gotten traded to an org that has a nice track record of developing hitters. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> uh, I gotta imagine that Toronto, you know, had some good ideas about how to, to unlock that power and wasn't unable to do so. Um and then uh Brandon Marsh getting flipped for Logan Ohoppy. Uh I thought this was just a kind of a classic good for both sides type of trade. It seemed like uh you know, like the Reds have been punting shortstop forever. It seemed like the Phillies have been punting center field forever. Yeah. So getting a real center fielder in there. Maybe he can't hit. We'll see. But you know, I think that's a that's gotta be a nice change of scenery for him. And then uh O'Hapi blocked by JT Realmuto. Nice to see him go somewhere where he could be the catcher of the future.
2: Yeah, how much has Marsh's stock fallen for you as a hitter? Like I feels like not too long ago I was, I was kind of excited about Brandon Marsh and I mean, is this ever going to be, like, a mixed-league-worthy bat in Philadelphia? Uh,
1: I'm not – like, obviously, I don't think he's someone that I would be rostering right now in uh, mm. most mixed leagues. But I think in Dynasty, I, I I wouldn't give up on him or I wouldn't have given up on him just yet. Um you know he's at five hundred and eighty three played appearances in the majors he's turning twenty five this off season so he's you know he's getting kind of up there to the point where it's just like is it time to move on but um i i at least want to see what he does over the rest of the season in philadelphia he he does still have i mean i know he's got a he's got a career one sixteen iso which is kind of crazy um he has more power than that in there, but hasn't really been able to get to it consistently because of the hit tool. Uh, And, uh, you know, hitting it on the ground was something that really plagued him in the minors. That hasn't been as big of an issue in the majors, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think there, there might still be something there. I mean, if he sucks over the next two months with Philly, probably won't be sniffing around there uh, for next season, but um, I think it's a it's nice. Like a, not
2: too long ago, that he was pretty highly highly regarded.
1: It's it's a nice buy low, I think. Yeah, uh, and he could he could help Philly. I mean, like when you go from starting like the fact that they even played Mickey Moniak at all, uh, <laughs> like you know they they need some help.
2: Um, in yeah, their field. outfield has been pretty disastrous, and with the Angels now, that seems like kind of a land of opportunity out there. So I'm looking forward to seeing. Any of those guys become uh, fantasy relevant? Who was the guy who got the save for them last night? Was it uh, Jose Quijada? So I'll have to keep an eye out for him and any others. But is there any rookies on that team that you think are there any prospects that they got that may come up uh, over the rest of the season? Uh, the Angels? Um... Yeah. Like is OHOP.
1: Uh, he's a he's like a you know he's not this year he's Double maybe 20 2023 20, yeah. at the at the earliest um no i don't think Pretty ugly uh, there. i mean it it's nice that it is finally reedetmer's season officially yes uh that's that's been great i'm glad i went uh, back to
2: that well because that has been great he's been outstanding
1: yeah I'm really, <laughs> I've got kind of torn. I mean, I, I love, I was able to scoop him back up in most uh, NFPC leagues that I dropped him in. Uh, but I was going to go back to that well next year regardless. And so now, I mean, there's, there's, he's, you know, he's another good six weeks away from the price being um, kind of appropriately priced. I would imagine
2: heading into dress yeah. Dres next year. Yeah. He's uh, uh, he's going to be cutting into that value window. I think uh with his next few months because yeah, he uh he's been huge and I was tempted by Jason Junk too, but I I passed <laughs> Jan- uh, Jansen, Jansen, Jansen Junk. Jansen Junk. <laughs> <laughs> Great name. Yeah. Uh I was tempted in Fab last weekend, but I didn't end up getting him. Did get like Felix Bautista in one league. Oh nice. it's a dead deadline mover that I, I think uh well with deadline moves is a is a big riser, but yeah, I was just curious if anybody like at all in in Anaheim would be stepping into a role, but it doesn't seem like there's it seems like a lot of mid. <laughs> as as yeah. Um,
1: uh what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the yeah I was able to grab uh, Felix Bautista uh, a nice. couple places as well. Uh, Todd Whitestone was all over him. Eno, we we'd been stashing him for months and Devils rejects, so. Nice. Um, Let's Probably see. does he have the best nickname in baseball at this point? Am I forgetting something obvious? Or I mean, Italian breakfast is pretty good. What is it? Is, is
2: it good. the uh, the foundation or something?
1: So the mountain. Right? It's the, the mountain, mountain. <laughs> like Game of okay. Thrones reference.
2: Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, because he is a big old, big old boy. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of another. I feel like there was another. Yeah, Italian breakfast. But there's another one that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um. So, the, well,
1: not bad. the
2: catalyst was one that Spore had for uh, Riley Green. Oh, kind of like, the catalyst—it's kind of- all right. It's all, <laughs> it's all right. right. It's fine. It's fine.
1: Catalyst, right. catalyst for what?
2: <laughs> yeah, they haven't, he hasn't really sparked all that much there in Detroit. I mean,
1: can I think- can you catalyze uh Victor Reyes, Javier Baez, and Miguel Cabrera like? If, if 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 the people hitting behind you are the people hitting behind Riley
2: Green, can you be a catalyst? Yeah, that um, seems like giving one of those like heart shocks to a dead body. <laughs> uh, I I did kind of like that nickname, but I I wanted to ask you real quick, if you don't mind, what was what's the logic behind holding on to Happ and Contreras for the Cubs? That just give them because I guess the qualifying offer is still a thing now. Mm-hmm. I so think. I guess that makes some sense.
1: So the way I would kind of read that is that they just uh, held a pretty firm line on like, cause the Cubs, I, I think the Cubs are well run. Like this isn't like the Rockies just kind of fumbling all over themselves and not yeah. knowing what they're doing. Like the, the Cubs, the Cubs absolutely killed it at the trade deadline last year. And I think they were just holding the line on the price they were asking for uh, for those guys, knowing that the, the cop pick is, it's like the worst. I, I feel like, and, and you still get two months of, you know, Cubs fans love Wilson Contreras. Um, yeah. You know, you still get two months of, you know, him being a part of your team, him working with your, your younger players. Uh, so there, I think there's value in that. You get the cop pick if you, if you lose them. And uh, I, I think the worst thing you could do is just take some crappy offer where you're just getting – you know, if they, if they had flipped uh, Contreras for, I don't know, some of these guys we've kind of poo-pooed, um, and then that pitcher or whoever turns out to just be nothing, mm-hmm. I mean, that looks pretty bad too. I'd rather make my pick in the draft with the cop pick than just get a, a prospect I'm not that excited about.
2: But that, that was surprising. It makes a lot of sense. It almost feels like – like if I were a Cubs fan, I might be a little annoyed, but I kind of appreciate them like for the integrity of the game, like not just you know dumping those guys for nothing. So that's And I, I think it counts fun.
1: too sort of long-term from like a front office standpoint. You want you want teams to know that you're willing to just walk away.
2: Yeah. Uh, from like you a bargaining draw standpoint. A line. Yeah. yeah. I think that helps you, yeah, you're right with like future bargaining at the at the uh trade negotiations and yeah it's like that guy in your league you know who like wants to play kingmaker and just give guys away for nothing it's like you gotta you, you don't want those guys in the league and yeah I think you know the Cubs could have probably just gotten s- some decent pieces but I respect that they kind of drew a line and said well if you're not going to give us anything noteworthy we'll, we'll just walk away so I respect that
1: all right let's uh quickly hit on some promotions and then we'll be out of here uh will benson really excited to see what he does in cleveland uh tyler freeman also getting the call for for the guardians and as soon as i dropped tyler freeman significantly in my rankings he just went on a tear at triple a so it had looked pretty rough there uh he's he just hadn't been getting to the power that I, I thought would eventually come. But over the past like 10 days or so, he'd just been uh, hitting out of, out of this world. And Benson has been just an awesome story. Power speed, um, you know, a chance to be a big time OPP guy and add some value uh, defensively as well. Uh, could you see yourself bidding on, on Benson or Freeman if, if they uh, have a good rest of the week?
2: You know, I think I need to see a little more from those guys before I'm really considering them in most leagues. Uh, maybe if I'm in a pinch. But uh, am I wrong to not be excited? I don't know. I just kind of am like, eh. I'm almost yeah, I mean, thinking I, maybe I'm more interested in, like, Jose Barre- uh, Jose Barrero. Honestly.
1: I could see that over Freeman. Uh, okay. Because the other thing with Freeman is – there's not like a super obvious place for him to play. Like I know third base is kind of there, but like he's just not a to me, he's a second baseman all the way. So um I I don't know. I, I I think that they just kinda wanted to see how it looked against big league pitching. Uh with Benson, I'm I'm very I'm gonna keep a very close eye on Benson over the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh I just think, you know, he's got I mean he's kind of been he's another guy I mean it's just so so lazy to compare these super tall outfielders with massive power to, to Aaron Judge but I mean he's uh just I and I I mentioned this in my article uh last week like he was a top 100 prospect in 2018 2019 and now again in uh 2022 which I think is just remarkable that he's uh, kind of been, you know, up and down that much, but it's, it's all about that, that upside and the strikeouts have been an issue for him. Uh, Seemingly, whenever he gets to a new level, he goes through uh, a significant adjustment period. You can kind of see that like last year, triple a, almost a 40% K rate this year, triple a 23% K rate. And that's kind of been sort of the story when, when he gets a promotion, he, uh, might need a little bit longer to kind of adjust. So maybe that'll be an issue against big league pitching, but um, I mean, he's, he legitimately could hit six, seven homers, steal six, seven bags rest of the season. So I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Benson. Uh, Freeman's not really my type for, for, for a redraft uh, rookie fabbing, you know, where there's just not that type of category juice, really. You're relying on him hitting for a high average.
2: Yeah, well, Harold, Harold, uh, <laughs> Harold uh, Reynolds? Reynolds. I was going to say Harold Ramirez for some reason. Yeah, Harold Reynolds would be proud of that uh, comp, to judge. But no, I know. Well, I, know wasn't were, I wasn't comping. I wasn't. No, I,
1: I, I did. I tried to make I
2: did, a joke. and I flopped.
1: I did comp Yidi Capet to a rod on last week's show, though. So I, I've oh. got my I've got my honorary Harold Reynolds uh, badge.
2: <laughs> um, well that's I uh I was just gonna say too, I, I know they got Oscar Gonzalez back and he's kind of the guy there that I you know, picked him up earlier this year and I I might be back in on this weekend.
1: Oscar yeah. Gonzalez. I mean I've got I've got Gonzalez and uh AL uh Labor on my IL gonna activate him but also uh could be in on the, the bidding for Benson. We'll see how that goes there. Um and then just two two pitchers that I'm that I'm mildly interested in. Uh Cole Reagan's with the the Rangers, he's confirmed as tomorrow's starter I think against the White Sox. And Tommy Henry, I think he, he might even be pitching right now. Um but Tommy Henry got the call uh, for the Diamondbacks. Um he Honestly, it was kind of their best. Uh, they they sent a lot of guys to to AAA, and most of them were terrible. Uh, really tough environment to pitch in. Tommy Henry was was the best of the bunch. He's a, a big lefty. I think he's he's a little interesting, at least in like sort of spot start settings. And then Reagan's is a, a really good story. Uh, was a first round pick, I think, back in uh, twenty sixteen. And had Tommy John basically missed all of 2018, 2019 and 2020 due to Tommy John and the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, but came back and was uh, pretty impressive uh, last year at high A kind of reestablished himself as at least someone to to keep an eye on. Uh, And then this year, he's just he's just had a really great year at double A and triple A. He's got a a plus change up. Um, So I'm, I'm interested in both those guys kind of more so than your typical just fill in starter from AAA for a team. Like I think Reagan's and Henry, if they look good in their starts this week, I think there's at least some 15 team league appeal there.
2: One last youngster. I want to shout out real quick, dude, Jose Miranda has been crushing lately and, uh, unlikely to be available still in, in fantasy leagues, but, uh, hitting a walk today and a win and batting cleanup now for, for, uh, Houston. So I was glad that I was or not for Houston, for Minnesota. So I was glad I was patient with Miranda and really liking what I'm seeing with him. So Yeah, dude. Shallower leagues if he's still sitting out there.
1: I mean that's sorta case in point for you know, the guys that the the Reds got back from Minnesota. Like the the twins just have all these guys and they're they're They've done a great job in Minnesota. I would be very pumped to be a, a Twins fan right now, but they've just got so many young hitters that are that are on the rise. And uh, Miranda is definitely a guy to, yeah. I think he's he's long gone in most leagues, but uh, interested to sort of see where he goes
2: in drafts for for next year for sure. Yeah, he'd be a guy that in dynasty I would uh, consider maybe buying high on because, yeah, last twenty seven games, Miranda. 981 OPS. So he's been last month he's been just stellar. So I'm pretty so, excited about him.
1: Uh before we get you out of here, uh for old time's sake,
2: uh what do you what have you been bumping lately? You know, when I was in Ohio, my brother asked me this exact same question and he laughed at my response. Uh but the response is Cappadonna. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this has <laughs> been this hasn't been Cappadana month. This has been Capadonna summer.
2: Yeah, I've been, I told you too, I've been, I'm glad I've lived long enough to come around on Capadon. I just, I used to really crap on him. I didn't get it. I thought, uh, you know, what are the, what's the Wu-Tang Clan doing letting this guy be a member? And, uh, but I, I actually found a copy of his, the Yin and the Yang album. at uh, half price books. And I loved it. So I checked out the, the pillage too. So look, it's, your taste changes as you get older, James. And I'm, it's like a fine wine, Capitana. It <laughs> took me a while to come around on, had to let it simmer. For yeah, like, I 20 years.
1: I have some regrettable takes from past uh prospect podcast episodes, probably have to dig oh, deep in the vaults for those. But uh, wish I could scrub those takes of Capitana <laughs> just being the weak link from history. But they're they're out there if if you ever wants to call me on it. Um, I mean, he's.
2: The thing is, like, you know, we used to grade rappers. I'd probably give them only like a maybe like a 35 for lyricism, <laughs> but it's all about the style with Cap. He's got a cool, he's got the style
1: comes from the heart,
2: yeah. And uh, look, if he's got Ray and Ghost endorsing him, yeah, that's gotta, good, enough. Gotta, you gotta, you that's good cir- enough for me. You gotta circle back, at least There's check some- out. Uh, I, I sent you that one song with Ray, The Love is the Message. That's a good song, and check out the uh. A slang editorial video. You'll see a cameo from the late Tony Sirico he plays a little part in that video. The slang oh. editorial video is awesome.
1: I meant to tell you, uh Courtney and I have been uh we started a Sopranos rewatch. Thought you'd be Ooh, proud of me. nice. Oh there we <laughs> go. <goes.
2: laughs> Love it.
1: Is she enjoying it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. I gotta give, you know, shout out to to my wife, she was the um, first person who made me appreciate how hilarious and awesome of a character uh, Liv Soprano is in those first uh, couple seasons. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I remember when I first watched. I was I was so dumb. I was probably like uh, I don't know, it's probably like twenty two or something when I first watched Sopranos, and oh. uh, just had all kinds of. Horrible takes and uh, I was just like "Oh, get get her out of here like this is boring like I want to see I want to see more guys getting capped but uh, my wife uh, was just like how are you not laughing at this I was like you know what this is uh, this is awesome and every time where you watch it now like the live scenes where she's just uh, you know like y- you don't know him anything like that, that type of stuff like yeah, just,
2: she's so like undercutting and yeah she's <laughs> hilarious. My father—he's been in therapy. He does not. <laughs> he's probably he's
1: complaining about his play. mother. Yeah,
2: that's why he goes to complain about his mother. But I'm glad you guys are watching. I might have to start another one. Yeah, <laughs> I no. Need a perpetual. I need a perpetual watch going.
1: Yeah, I, I I expect you to be on about a, a once a year rewatch of Sopranos at least. <laughs>
2: I remember after one watch, I told you, like, all right, I'm probably good for, like, 10 years. Then I started a new rewatch, like, two days later. <laughs> uh, it's such a dick right. but Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, of course, dude. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, this is great. Uh, I know that the the listeners are going to love it. Um, and really happy that uh, you can kind of put this chapter of Reds baseball behind you and just kind of yeah, embrace man. embrace the full-on tank and rebuild.
2: I love that it's you know when I was there over the weekend the Bengals have taken over it's it's Bengals country now but like there were like 28,000 people at their open practice more than there were at the games of that. <laughs> but the Reds the love for Reds baseball is still there so it should be fun when it if and when it turns around
1: Absolutely man well uh this has been a reunion episode of the RotoWire Prospect podcast Uh, for Clay Link. I'm James Anderson. We'll be back next week.